Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, everybody, it's Austin. I just want to give you a heads up that we talk a lot of sports. Well, we talk a lot of sport in the first 35 minutes of the show today. Uh, my Philadelphia Eagles uh, played against. Rob and Patrick's Chicago Bears last night in the NFL playoffs, and we talk about that for 35 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, I think it's a good conversation. I think we talk about game design in that conversation. We talk about interesting choices and metagames and other, other an extension of other conversations we've had in the past. Uh, but maybe you don't want to listen to that. If you don't, jump about 35, 36 minutes in uh, and enjoy the rest of the show where we talk about that other thing, um, uh, video games. Enjoy. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, January 7th, 2019, and you are listening to Just roll the clip. Radio. Just roll the clip. Episode Just roll 212. The, I'm your clip. host. Just stop. Host. So Just nice. stop. Kato lost Kato's his voice just, twice. Just what's roll a, the clip. What? Patrick Patrick's brought a clip, everybody. What is the clip work? Do you want to introduce this? No, you just want to hit play? No, I just want to hit play. Okay. We gotta be quiet. Hey, hey link arms. Sam, link arms. Everyone link arms. Guys, I'm trying to. I tried to link my arms, Patrick. What? <laughs> Patrick, Rob. Yeah. Rob, can I, Rob? Can I read from a a chat message from you from earlier this year? Oh sure. Uh, I have to find <laughs> oh, this it. Is good. I have to find. I haven't heard he, this one. Well, you might have. I mm-hmm. I need to find. So it's from. If I do a search here, from user Rob Zachney. Flit craft and then some numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if I type the word foals in, what I see here is uh, 
I fear also I fear foals. But the Bears would have to completely throw that game to ensure the Vikings a berth, which Yeah. So, okay, that was in So we're talking about football. Apologies to our listeners who are not into North American football. We all are. And the teams we support played each other in a single game, elimination game, uh, playoff match yesterday. Yeah. And Austin's... It was the the Waypoint Bowl. Yeah. uh, The Crosstown Classic, I believe, the listener (laughs) called it. Uh Uh, So the thing is, and this is is where things begin to get interesting. Yeah. Let's, Let's look at sports as a whole. There is this movement in sports toward more analytics, sabermetrics, just using data to drive how you look at the games. Get away from, like, the narratives that old sports writers and, like, fans yeah. used to, like, cling to in the, in, the, in the, you know, dark ages of sports where it was like, ah, he's a great, he's a great clutch hitter. Yeah, intangible. really isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, all, it's all very Moneyball. Everyone wants, every sport is moving in that direction. You touched on this in your great review of It'll Be the Show this past year. Yeah. People should go read that. Uh, that was last year. Yeah, that was last it's year. A, it's a whole new year now. Whole new year, baby. Yeah. However, uh, and a whole new haircut. Mm. You look good, man. Thank you. I feel you get, terrible. You got, you got all dressed up for the Eagles game. You, you were know. like, gotta gotta put on my, <laughs> gotta get this, gotta get this nice and tight and fresh gotta, looking, nice and tight. Gotta bring the beard a little bit. You know yeah. what it is. So the thing is, the the thing to know about the Eagles is that. Last year when they won the Super Bowl, they were led by their backup quarterback, a guy who the narrative has been that we actually do have a pretty good statistical career baseline for this guy. And he's a middling quarterback at best. Nick Foles. Like, kind of a good backup, but he's nobody you'd want, like, to entrust the future of your team to. Last year, he has this, like, surprising run when he steps in uh, when the lead quarterback, uh, Carson Wentz, gets injured. Yeah. A leading and MVP candidate that year. Like, not, not just a good quarterback, but potentially like an all-time quarterback is how people have thought about Carson Wentz. So Nick Foles comes in and turns in. If you compare how he performed when he stepped in for Wentz toward the end of last season and then through the playoffs when they won the championship, versus Nick Foles' whole body of work. Years he of appears to Yes. Yeah. He appears to be a completely different quarterback last year. And everyone's like, okay, you get one. Like, people have flukes. There's yeah. fluky shit happens. Any given so, Sunday. That is the thing about football, right? Football is not a series-based. Not Fallout Boy. Oh, my God. How do you not, how do you not even reference the Pacino movie there? God damn, what, what kind of office are you running down there, Austin? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. My point is, football is not a series-based playoffs uh, uh, doesn't have a, a, a series-based playoff system. In, in, in you know, baseball, in basketball... The, the statistical outliers average out because you have to win a number of games in order to advance through the playoffs. But in football, any game, you could have a good game. You could just have a good game. You can be on fire. The defense can break down. The weather can be a little too cold for you. The ball can slip out of your hands. You get that win and you advance. And so last year it felt like Foles was magic. But also, eh, it happens. It happens. Someone gets hot. Yeah. Someone gets on a streak. You get on the right streak in the right five games in a row against the right opponents – and you make Tom Brady look like a fool. And it happens. <laughs> and and everyone loves you. Yeah. So this year, like, Foles even had to resign himself 
Uh, like, that was a one and done. Like, it's never happening again. He wasn't even sure he wanted to stay on the roster this year, I gather. Like, he kind of thought, maybe I should just go out while I'm on top. Like, and he played the first that. three or four games and sucked. And sucked. <laughs> and sucked. Wentz was still hurt. Wentz was still uh-huh, recovering. Yeah. Um, and Foles just didn't have it. And it was like, oh, you know, hey, magic. It was magic. It was, it was, he had the run. So, a few, like, several weeks ago at this point, the Eagles season is in deep shit. They do not look like they are going to come close to making the playoffs. They are not going to defend their title. Carson Wentz gets hurt. Again. And Nick Foles subs in again. And at this point, now the Eagles, like, they have a lot of worry. Like, if, they, if they're even going to make the playoffs, they need to win a lot of games. Tough games. Yep. And... They need other things to go right, too. But it all needs to happen under Foles. One of those is that ba- the Bears need to beat the Vikings. Which my, is my, the, my the source of my favorite comment. team, by the way. My, my stepdad's my dad's favorite team is the Browns. My stepdad's favorite team is the Vikings. I My love Ugh. for both of them is so yeah. full. And it's it's tough out there. Yeah. So the, the thing is... Um, it starts happening again. Like Foles is in the series of like must win games. And once again, you start to see like playoff Foles come out once yeah. again, bearing no statistical resemblance to the guy he has been at any other point in his career. And at this point it begins to feel eerie. Yeah. You, because, you described like, him as being spooky to me once. Uh, the ringer used a great phrase for him uh, that sort of has been lodged in my brain ever since I read it uh, after the Bears beat the Vikings. They were like, should the Bears have traded the chance to play the Vikings in the playoffs for a face-off against playoff Gilgamesh? <laughs> and that's, that is actually an apt description of what Foles seems to become when playing in Philly in like elimination scenarios. Now, yeah. last week, the Bears could have let the Minnesota Vikings win their game, and then the Bears would have guaranteed that they would play the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. The Vikings looked like a bad team. They looked like they would have been hard to lose to, where you would have had to be, like, players stepping out of the way. And they were putting in backups and still crushing the Vikings. That's the thing is, like, they... I wrote this piece on metagames and trying to break the draw over the break. Uh, People should go read it. I'm really proud of it. Um, but in it, one of the things I describe is a chess uh, a chess championship from last year in which it seems like the world chess champion, it, it, after a series of 11 draws going into the final game in the series, offered a draw earlier than he should have, which pushed the game out of an elimination moment into a new format where he was way better. And, you know, people kind of called him a coward on it and some other stuff. You should go read the piece. Uh, but this is a situation where the Bears are in a similar situation in a sense. And there's there's all sorts of – you can't just take a knee. You can't just throw the game. That's bad sportsmanship. But you can do what they did, which is, oh, it's a good opportunity to get the backup players and the rookies some extra experience, some extra time. This game, we're already in. We're not going to, we're not gonna, you know, secure a bye here. So we may as well just see how it goes. And they tried that and still won. The only thing the Bears could have done differently is, like – pull their quarterback and send in their backup Chase Daniel yeah. who like had not had a good season but even then you would have had to send him out with the like with the orders lose this game like <laughs> yeah. the, for the bears to lose the viking lose the vikings and make sure the eagles did not get into the playoffs the bears would have had to throw a game in a way that would have been obvious 
and yeah. eyebrow raising and might have drawn like sanction from the league. Like right. the Bears were so much better than the Vikings, um, which has been a pleasure to watch, by the way, because the Vikings are led by this. Sh- I-, I fucking oh, hate their coach. Your cousin sucks. Oh, and Mike Zimmer, too. <laughs> yeah. Mike Zimmer's this coach who, uh, let's see, makes it a point of pride to not know kickers' names because he doesn't think they're real football players. And we'll get to this in a second. But uh, he doesn't think they're real football players. He Fuck hates off. them. And what do you know? He has a recurring problem with finding good kickers. Yeah, uh, Kickers just seem to like do poorly in his systems. He's the head coach, and when his team was struggling, he started complaining about his offensive coordinator not calling enough run plays. Which, like, you're the head coach, you kind of get to dictate that. Yeah. So anyway, the Bears could not, like, could not have lost to the Vikings, save by, like, doing some obviously sketchy shit. Belichick might have tried to pull it off. But, like, the Patriots, they might have thrown that game. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, the Patriots don't often have to throw that game because, like, you know, a lot of times they're playing in, uh, you know, a, a, an incredibly weak division. Yeah. <laughs> it's the usually gifted passage uh, to a first round bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it meant that the Bears were going to play the Eagles and they were going to play this spooky fucking quarterback. Yep. And I got to say, I think if things like, I don't think Foles was amazing yesterday. He had, no. he had one really good series, but he blew two of his best series. Absolutely. He turned the ball over. I think if, if things break a little differently, the false narrative dies. But, well, Patrick, I can't talk about it. Patrick, you, you want to... were there. That recording that you played was from the stadium. This, yeah, I was uh, behind uh, one of the end zones, uh, which means we were also behind one of the, um, the goalposts. And uh, amongst my friends, I, I said going in, I was like, there are two scenarios for this game. It is either a blow up by the Bears yeah. and the defense just hits falls in the ribs and there's a third string. Like it just, it all falls apart to the Eagles very early. And it's like a 40 to 10 game or it's really tight. It comes down to a field goal and it's going to be We're going to lose because of Cody Parkey. Like it would be the most poetic. So this is a kicker on the bears who yeah. for some larger context for like nine years, 10 years, they have had uh, this kicker, uh, Robbie gold, who was a, Kickers aren't usually beloved players on a team, but even when the Bears have like had semi-relevancy and been sort of good, there was the phrase good as gold because he had just like the most sterling reputation in the right. league of just he lines up, he hits them, he never misses. From long the, ranges. Yes, just right. really, really consistent where other teams are like, hey, we got to go for it. You know, this is a guy right, that for, like, for hey. For people who maybe don't know that much about football, a kicker can mm-hmm. come on, on. If you're close to the end zone, if you're getting in there, but you don't, you're not confident that you can make a conversion and keep a drive going, you can bring out a kicker to knock out a field goal, which gives you a few points, less points than a, than a touchdown. But hey, this wasn't a lost cause. You drove down right. the field. You got some points on the board. Right. And, and it's hard. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. It, you, you're, it's one person in a, in, a, in a team, you know, in a, in a, a sport that is largely team-based. I mean, there's, you know, there's someone that holds the kick, but it's largely like this one person that does this really weird thing that has nothing to do with the athleticism in the rest of the, the sport. Right. And Robbie Gold had one kind of off season, and they cut him. And it was, you know, seen as maybe like, oh, well, maybe he's just old and – uh, you know, he's he past his prime. Well, he left, went to San Francisco, has had an, uh, a historic record in the last, like, three uh-huh. years, including including an all-time mm, moi favorite. Uh, he, he went to the 49ers, came to Soldier Field, 
beat the Bears. Yeah. 15 points, all field goals scored by Robbie Gold, and the Bears lost. Just un- he, unbelievable. I was so happy for him. What a good moment for him. Um, and this guy they've had, this guy they got this season, Cody Parkey, he's had just some struggles. Um, he has he has lost them two games, and the thought was, hey, it is not unreasonable in tight games in the playoffs where it all comes down to the end. But that he has this quirk. He has a quirk. So there's a Detroit Lions game earlier this year where he doinked it, and doinking is where you hit the uprights Blah. of the field goal four times in a single game. Two field goals, six points, two extra points. So eight points in which it's at what – if you tried to hit the uprights, if you is, if you said I'm oh, going to train impossible. my whole life yeah. to learn how to hit the uprights, I don't I do not think you could do it four times in a game, and he did, and it makes just this loud, satisfying, it's a big hollow metal too. Yeah, it's great. Wrong. Yeah, the thing is, like pictures don't do it justice because the way they the, the way they do the shot for field goals tends to like cause a foreshortening effect where it looks like the uprights are really big relative to where the kicker is standing. If you stand on like the 30-yard line of a football field and look at the uprights, they're really fucking far away. They're really tiny. Yeah. Like you're you're basically like you know, imagine trying to flick a quarter across the room and hit a straw. Yeah. Is kind of how and that's and Parky did that yeah, four times in one game. It became a thing. Like, there was, mm-hmm. there were news choppers flying over Soldier Field when he was kicking, trying to, like, see if, like, is he still doing it? Like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> and we thought the problem was resolved, but later he did, he, he bounced another one off the uprights later. And it was like, okay, he's just not that reliable a kicker. But in particular, he doesn't just miss, he hits the upright. <laughs> and so yesterday... Oh, um, my God. And so the Bears, I mean, their season really came down to a fourth and two yeah. in which, the, if, well, you know. Well, first of all, shout out Nick Foles for having mm-hmm. driven down the field, great mm-hmm. drive, clutch play. As an Eagles mm-hmm. fan, we've never been clutch. We've been good, right? I sure. I grew up in, in the Cunningham era. I mm-hmm. loved the Eagles through the McNabb era. I fell off after that because of not having a great team and also learning more about CTEs and getting having issues oh, yeah. with the, with the, with the league in general. Um, and now in the, but, but all through all, when they were a good team, when McNabb brought us to the Super Bowl, we weren't a clutch team. We were a team that needed to get out early and score a lot and get a good, good lead because <laughs> we would never finish. Like we right. would never, we would like absolutely never put it together in the end. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, there was a degree to which we were like, like the golfer who would who would be up in going into the final day, and then their their lead would just drop. Oh, like Greg Norman. Exactly, exactly. And so, like, without that, cl- I've never. I don't know what it is to be clutch. I don't know what it is. And so, to have a Nick Foles show up and with five minutes on the clock, drive down the field, control the the clock, get a, a fourth down conversion to bring us up by one point. And you know, and then because the Bears the failed a two point conversion, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So like, yeah. there's a there's a there's a world where it's tied. Yes. going into yes. that, and so he gets yes. that fourth and two. The the Bears hold like a really strong goal line stance and just you know managed to get in by inches and yeah. Golden Tate goes in for the score up by one. I think there's 52 seconds left on the yep. clock. And great return, great return by Tariq Cohen, Mitch Trubisky, clutch throw to Allen Robinson. Um, he turns into the quarterback we've been praying he would be all season. Like, Mr. Yes. Trubisky, in the final, like, quarter and a half of that game, 
turns into like shit. The Bears do have a real quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's had flashes of that all season, but like this was the first moment where it's like, damn, like maybe Mitch is clutch. He did his job, uh, and now it's time to kick a field goal. And it's time a forty-two yard field goal. And so, for anyone that's never been to a football game, um, I'm sure this is probably true of. I think it's more true in football than in other sports because I've been to pretty much everything at this point. Maybe baseball is a little analogous. Like, you get so trained watching on television that it's actually, like, less fun in a lot of ways to watch it in person because you get so used to the information yeah. about the situational context. Like, what you know, it's you're far away from the players. And it's a tiny ball that is getting moved around in a way where you're often not sure what happened till the crowd reacts, and then you're allowed to be excited or deflated. Um, and so... We were trying to figure out as the game was going along because in uh, each quarter you switch which end zone you're trying to drive into, and that also depends on like which direction you choose to kick into at the half and like a bunch of other variables. Um, but it turned out okay, fourth quarter they're going to be coming down to our end zone. So Mitch throwing those plays like sets up where they're I look around like guys. They're getting closer to you. They're getting closer. Yes, they're going to do yes. it. And they're and we're and we are our seats were right behind the goalpost and I was like I turned to the people I was was like this is going to be it it's going to be Cody Parkey or bust and so there's this dude as the video illustrates or the audio illustrates I'll put the video on Twitter um he's like link arms for Cody and it's just like rows of people (laughs) linking arms for (laughs) Cody Parkey because we have no faith in his ability to do this and he goes up he kicks it and this is to illustrate uh, the disconnect you have when you're in the when you're watching in the game, the crowd goes fucking nuts when he he first hits it because he does get it through the uprights yep. and everyone's like ah we got it and then it's quickly like they fucking iced him <laughs> it's like what yeah like ah uh, when you ice okay. a kicker what well, a thing you can do in football uh, I, this happened in video games last year actually is in football you can call a timeout uh, to stop a play just before it starts and and put your kicker on ice or you freeze and, the and when usually. The, your, um, the kick still occurs. Like, the way, like, the sort of the wind-up happens with a kick is that you're calling the timeout so that they're mid-process, yeah. so they're, they're they're hitting the kick. And so, statistically, uh, icing the kicker does not work. Right. It doesn't. Like, it has been proven out mathematically that that timeout doesn't do anything. The kinds of kicks where you're... It only really makes sense from, like, 50-plus yards out where, like, the numbers are tough for most kickers, but... If you're like around 40 yards and that's where this, you know, 42 is where this kick was, it's supposed to be pretty automatic and absent someone jumping up and hitting that ball, you're you're going to be fine. But so we we linked hands, we linked arms, we chanted for our boy Cody and uh not only not only did it did it doink. It double doinked. It hit it hit the upright and then fell and hit the crossbar. And there's so much physics that is yeah, happening uh-huh. in this moment. It's, I bet if he ran the simulation on that a good number of times, it doinks, it just ekes its way in. It just goes in. Yeah. There's a good chance it, it hits just the goes crossbar, in. the crossbar bounces yeah. it back in. Right. It just depends on where it hits that yep. football. And it, it doinks, it falls, it double doinks. And I mean, I have been to losses. Yeah. I've been to games before. I've never been to playoff football where I, you know, it's an electric stadium mm-hmm. where everyone is just drunk and psyched up and so loud and like popping a balloon, just watching a thing deflate was just one of 
it, it was a memorable experience for all sorts of reasons. Um, and then it felt good because uh, we all got to boo Cody as he went off the field. And... Now, important context. Uh-huh. There is evidence that the ball was tipped. Yep. So there is evidence. <clears throat> the Barely, ball was tipped but it, it, it is. So, yeah. So, it, yes, there was a uh, someone in there on, on the Eagles that apparently got, like, a finger on it. Two but fingers. Trayvon Hester got two fingers on it. Middle of several the kick, Several kickers have since weighed in and said that just means actually he didn't kick it at the right height. No. So. Okay. Fair. No, they're just, they're just saying that a good kicker. Right. It, at that, the angle that you're hitting at, yes, it did get tipped. But right. at the, the way you're supposed to hit that kick, no one should have had a chance to, to, te- to, get, to it, touch it. get a hand right. on it. Right. It so. was already off course. So. The thing is, like, <clears throat> a couple things here. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout-outs real quick. I think the person who did more than anything, more than falls to win that game for the Eagles is this big dude, yeah. number 71 on yep. the Eagles, uh-huh. uh, Jason Peters. Yep. He was squared up against Khalil Mack, who's just this fucking beast of a player that uh, John Gruden cut from the Raiders, uh, traded from the Raiders, <laughs> gave to the Bears, and the guy like turned, went from being a great uh, defensive player that, with like a dominant pass rush mm-hmm. to like an awe-inspiring generational talent. Like he, he arrived in Chicago and just became the guy that could not be stopped. Like he was going to get your quarterback. Teams were triple teaming yep. Khalil Mack, meaning they had on, on, when they were on offense, three players who were supposed to be doing other shit for the offense were dedicated to trying to stop one bear, Khalil Mack, yep. from getting the quarterback. Uh, great, great headline from the New York Post going into this game. Khalil Mack is coming and the Eagles don't have a good plan for him. Those headlines are everywhere last week. Eagles won't have, won't have any way to stop Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack's going to destroy Nick Foles. Well, well, it you know they they did some they did some good stuff with the schemes, but a lot of times what you saw yep. is Khalil Mack going one on one with this one dude, Jason Peters, and Khalil Mack is like your sort of quintessential like defensive back. He's like big. He's the player lean, I wanted to grow mean. up to be when I was yeah. playing linebacker as a kid. Like that's the the ideal image of just like a shark. You know? Yeah. And Jason Peters is kind of your quintessential uh, offensive tackle. Just a yes. big, rangy, uh, just big dude. Good gut uh, on him. Good like, belly. Yeah. Hell yeah. And the thing is, he just fucking smothers Khalil Mack. Now, he, he begins to get figured out toward the end of the game. Yeah. But for three quarters there, one-on-one, this big dude just would not let Khalil Mack get around him. Like, which means this dude had to, like, m- like move all, like, six, you know, six foot five, uh, six foot five inches, six foot four inches, uh, 300 some pounds of him. He had to keep his feet chopping and keep, like, cutting left and right while this dude tries to get around him. And he did it for, like, three quarters of that game. Yeah. It was unreal. Yeah. Also, he's hurt. I don't know if you know that. Jason I didn't Peters, know that. Yeah, Jason Peters has all sorts of quad problems uh, and a bicep rip that he was playing with. So, you know, he's just like, football sucks, man. It's great. I I am moved by the expressions of the players on the field. But, like, it's brutal. And, and yeah, shout out to Jason This Peters. is why there aren't series in football. Right. No, it would like, be. Because it's too violent it. of a sport. Yeah, the bodies can't keep up for longer than really arguably it's already too long right, and there should right. be two bye weeks for most teams. A hundred percent. Yeah. So how are we well, all feeling? 
I, about you know, this season, about where we're at. I'm, still, I'm good, man. I'm good. I got over it really quickly. Like You have a good team. I, I, it was a great game. It was the season wildly exceeded all of my expectations. I wanted them to win eight games, which is a testament to my low expectations and what's been ground into me for the last ten years or so. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's, you know, if that if that game was four interceptions, uh, Mitch throws a pick six, and I got to listen to a whole off season about our quarterback, yeah. like, holy shit! Um, instead, it was a, a special team that overachieved, and it, they were so much fun to root for. I remembered why I like being a fan again instead of, like, the silent suffering that I've done for years and just convincing myself I'm doing this for a reason. And so, you know, I, I, what I, I wanted them to get to the next game and lose there. Right. I felt very comfortable. I feel like they deserve to get – we're good enough to get through one playoff game and then probably get smothered in a Rams, like, revenge game. Like, I, I could have lived with that. It sucks, but I also – Rob, you'll understand this. I look at this as a different version of the Packers game from week one in that, like, a smart team who, and by all accounts, Matt Nagy is a very, like, smart, really great coach to have. Like, this is the kind of thing that will prove fuel as opposed to, like, a deflation. Like, I don't think it'll be a Jaguars 2.0 where they come out flat next year. I think, like, it's a lot of really encouraging signs for a team that should hopefully be special for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I... Was I had not watched the Bears in like three years. I turned on the Bears run Sunday Night Football to start the season. It's a nationally televised game. I watched on a lark, and I was surprised they were put they put up a good fight versus the Packers. And I just kept watching, and I had more fun with the season football uh, than I've had probably in the last ten years. Uh, it was just a delight. Uh, it is a painful way to go out, especially because I think they're like. I feel like this team was so close, man. This team was so close to like Well, and they were so through. healthy and yeah. like yeah. even if they didn't have the experience, like it's not hard to imagine next season like oh, Cleo Mack breaks his leg. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like things happen. Um and oh, fucking amazing uh point exclamation point in all of this. Robbie Gold was in a skybox watching the game wow. at the stadium. Oh, his his oh, phone was going man. off before the before And the he's a free agent this offseason. He'll be back. Just fuck it. his kids his family still go to school here. His family's still in Chicago. Wow. Take that hometown, hometown just out, Robbie Gold. Good as gold, come home. Good as gold, come home. Uh, I think the other thing now, I'm really curious. I'm kind of pulling for the Eagles to keep this going, though. Because I want Foles to keep doing this because I want to believe Matt. I, I want the quarterback controversy. Yeah, it's Give it to so me. bad, dude. It's, uh. it, but that's but like the funny thing. It also thing. Like, question. Because you don't have the quarterback controversy. That's the thing. Is like this game was good enough that you don't have the like. Well, are we are we taking our franchise in the right direction? Should we be thinking about like changing the offensive scheme? Uh, is 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 uh, you know are our players right? To tear everything down, right. start exactly. trading the good players you have. Exactly. Just... Where whereas and and so a loss can do that for you. If it's a good loss, right. you can be like, you know what, this team is good. We're good. With the Eagles. This is what we did to the Vikings, right. the Lions, and the Packers. Right. Like, that's the takeaway from this yeah. season is we fucked up their offseason. Exactly. For the Eagles, continuing to win, Foles continuing <laughs> to win, means that we have to decide to get rid of one of two quarterbacks. Either the guy who has consistently been clutch for us in the postseason and the back half. Like, uh, you cannot— But only when his back is against the wall. Only. When, like, it, when, when, there's road, when, there's, when there's road in front of him. Yeah. Then— uh, you know, back to the Nick Foles we have known for 
10 years. Exactly. Well, this, this is the fucking thing. It's like when he came in, we were six and seven. Mm-hmm. Six wins, seven losses. That's a losing record. That's bad. Yeah. We were a bad team. And then he came in and won four out of five, five out of six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has won again. Like, so it is unbelievable. But then we also have this other guy who's three years younger, Carson Wentz, who is, again, last year, the best quarterback on the field all year and a joy to watch. And this year couldn't get it going. Just couldn't get it going. And what do you do? Who do you trade? Who do you keep? Philly hero Nick Foles or dude with a potential long, you know, franchise history ahead of him, Carson Wentz. I think it depends how far football is such a tough game to analyze because you have so few, such a small sample size every year and players age, they get injured. So like even what, what a player is capable of doing changes radically from year to year. And so you look at Foles and you genuinely don't know. Has something changed with him? He's found the right system. Right. Uh, and toward the end of the season, uh, when the game is maybe skewing a little more defensive, like Nick Foles' strengths really shine through. He's really forged a connection with some of these receivers. Alshon Jeffrey, former yeah. Bear. Oh. Uh, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, found a, he's found a really good receiving core. Or, because there is that possibility. There's the possibility that, like, this is the real Foles, the, the current, like, late career Foles being revealed. Right. As who he is and what he's capable of being in this different situation from what he's had in the past. Or, magic is real, playoff Gilgamesh has shown up, Nick Foles is fundamentally not different than he was, but from December through January, right? he is touched by the gods. Yeah. And that is the, a hard thing to deal with over here. I am terrified of next week, uh, because we were going up against the New Orleans Saints, who in week 11 squ- really squashed my hopes for the season. Like, yep. we lost 48-7 to seven to them in Week 11. Yeah. That is bad. That is, we were the <laughs> You're Super going into the Dome. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Where we lost to them once already this year. 48-7. to seven. 41 points. <laughs> Not 14. But, I no, I didn't. 41 points. So, but, but, Nick Foles is not playing quarterback. And that offense started to look a little more mortal yes. down in uh, New Orleans. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it's – the other thing – here's here's where I think you're I, – I don't I, – like, I think you'd have to be very bold as a oh, GM yeah. to say Foles is our franchise QB at this point in his career. No, you like, can't do it. But, but, but if here's he wins the kiss again, of death a Super Bowl it, MVP here's run. Here's the kiss of death for Carson Wentz, though. Do you know mm-hmm. who his biggest booster was early in his career? Who fucking loved Carson Wentz, was ready to put him in the Hall of Fame, like, after the first game he played as a pro? No, who? John Gruden. Oh, God. John Gruden, (laughs) like, booked his ticket on the Carson Wentz train from the moment that dude took his first step. And at this point, what we know now about John Gruden and what he appears to like about, like, John Gruden doesn't have analytics. He has fetishes. Like, that's that's what we learned Mm -hmm. about John John Gruden. Mm -hmm. He's He's gone down to... Uh, Oakland to take over the Raiders has been given like God mode control over yep. the Raiders. He's playing, he's playing fucking Madden or franchise manager with the Raiders. And what we've learned about him is that he just wants to get, do some weird shit yeah. while he's down there. He like is, he likes he what he likes. He's playing like the John boys version of football right now. Just, just so, fucking around, you know, taking, yeah. taking requests, doing what he wants. Oh my God. <sighs> I think we should take a break. Thank you. Uh, you know, listen, it was a great season. I loved seeing y'all root for your team. In my video, my brother to the right of me 
can be audibly heard saying right before the yep. kick, oh, come on, he's not that bad. He's got this. Yeah, that Kato and I just watched the video, and it was so sad. And then at the very end, you go, what do you say? What's he say, Kato? He's like, oh, what the? And then and it cuts off. Yeah, it just cuts. That's very good. Uh, good luck. It's like Cloverfield video or something. It, is. it, like is. it truly is. It's some found footage shit. Uh, y'all had a great season. I've, I've enjoyed your bear fandom. Uh, I am, I am nervous for my Eagles going forward, but, uh, we'll continue to have hope in my heart. And like I said on, on Twitter a couple weeks ago, being a fan of the Eagles is like being a fan of driving on black ice. Like, ah, 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 I'm okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. We're all right. Uh, so we'll see. We will see. We're gonna take a break and we're gonna talk about video games when we come back. Uh, BRB. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. We are back, and uh, I'm Austin Walker. Joining me today on Waypoint Radio for all of you who skipped ahead to avoid 35 <laughs> delicious minutes of uh, uh, football and game design talk, as Rob's acting. Game theory. Game theory. Uh, <laughs> please, please read my 73 uh, <laughs> tweet thread on why that the doink the doink on the double doink. Yeah, God, buckle up. It's time for some doink theory. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about... Well, that's the title of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about video games for the rest of this podcast because it has been a break and we've all played some video games. And I'm curious about, about what y'all played over the break. Where This is our first podcast actually back after mm-hmm. after the long holiday break. I got sick last week, so we didn't record anything new. You can still hear it in my voice. I'm not at 100%, but having a good time. Um, what did y'all get up to? What, you, you play anything good? You, you finish anything? You start anything new? Rob, you, I want to hear you talk about Mutant Year Zero. Oh, hell you yeah. finally, it sounds like you got in that train. I finished that game over the holiday and then solidified it in, in, in my top ten because I, I liked it that mm-hmm. much. But I'm curious how uh, how you've taken to it, Rob. Uh, I've taken to it quite strongly. Like, much more than I thought I would. I think, first of all, it is easy to underrate how good-looking that game is. It yeah. has a beautiful aesthetic. Like, yeah. The, like you're, the conceit of the game is largely you're this group of uh, stalkers, very much in the stalker sense, right? Like you're wandering this wasteland, uh, primarily at night, this abandoned, uh, sort of deserted, uh, post-civilizational collapse uh, wasteland. But it has an uncanny feeling of like when you walk through the woods on like a moonlit night or something like that, like it, mm-hmm. the game just looks kind of gorgeous and like slightly haunted, uh, with, like beautiful, but always that potential to be slightly menacing and yeah. scary and Gothic. Uh, and it manages to do that despite the fact that like the main characters are like a cute little duck and yeah. a little, little warthog <laughs> man. Yep. And it doesn't come across like they are compelling character designs. They look cool. They they're they're kind of cute, but not like 
twee. But the weird thing is, they also just seem to sort of fit in that world. It all just, like, Mutant Year Zero, the most surprising thing about it is it sort of asks you to suspend your disbelief from the start and never makes you question that decision. Like, yeah. I bought in immediately. I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's the score of this world. Uh, and it feels utterly consistent and right. Uh, and so in the middle of this, like, really cool world they built and really gorgeous aesthetic... Uh, I am surprised by what a fresh-feeling tactics game uh, Mutant Year Zero is turning out to be. At, when I played at E3, I played it badly, uh, for yeah. one. So it seemed like a very, like, you know, kicky, like, you know, stomp you in the gut XCOM mm -hmm. was, was kind of how it felt. Uh, because Which I didn't play be. stealthy enough. That's the thing, right? If you if you yes. try to go in guns blazing, you will get stomped the fuck out. Or if you try to take fights on that you shouldn't take, because that's the other thing. It will trick you. Can if you go in thinking about this game like XCOM, thinking about clearing the board, you will get into fights you cannot win at the top of the game and get crushed. Yeah. Um, but like you said, if you play stealthy, hmm, less. You're a scout sniper team. You can't right. win like stand up shootouts. Like what you need to do is try to take these like controlled engagements and uh i think one of the really novel things that i enjoy about this is um you know it takes one of my favorite aspects of xcom which is the setting up to go loud basically the like preparing for that fight uh starting it from an advantageous position uh, you know, if you watch the Tactical Tuesday streams, uh, you see Austin and I try that a million different ways, a million different times. Sometimes it works out really well, and yeah. we just, like, massacre a bunch of Advent. Sometimes, like, you just, like, put a soldier one square astray, mm -hmm. and immediately you've drawn aggro from three groups, all hell breaks loose, and you have a really grueling fight on your hands. Mutant Year Zero uh, is that moment, but that's the whole game in a lot of ways. And... Yeah. The thing that is tough to adjust to, and, and I, I'm conflicted about this aspect of it, it feels like when I get the stealth game wrong, we'll get to we'll get to what that game is in a second, but it feels like when I get the stealth game wrong and I end up in that big like stand-up shootout, frequently that stuff feels borderline unwinnable to me. Uh, like when I have bitten off more than I can chew... I do not feel like I can put down the damage nor sustain the incoming damage mm -hmm. I need to win through that fight. I don't have a full giant squad of troops behind me. You have three I don't people. have... Three is yeah. the cap all the way through the game, right? Patrick, you've beaten it. Yep. You get other characters, yeah. but yeah. three is the cap. And Yeah, you have three and you get like different powers associated with them. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a cap of three and you're often facing... Six, like, five, six. The, the enemy seven. is not limited to three. Right. Um, and yeah, and if you don't do the stealth right then you can have squads that are, you know, 10, 11 enemies. Jesus. And that's just, it's just, it's, it is instrument. Because what happens is that you'll get a squad of four or five, then they'll yell to like another squad or the, the, the sound of gunfire or another squad on the other side of the map. Or there are certain enemy types that can call in reinforcements. Right. And it's like, if you set up your, your squad, we're like, okay, the first enemy we're taking out is concentrating all of our fire on that one who can call for reinforcements because we have one turn to get it right. And then you get one miss, and then the fucking numbers don't add up. And then all of a sudden, you've got three more people coming in. And the count, I mean, it seems like the game uh, is made to tell you up front in almost a pass fail sort of way hey, you didn't do enough of the stealth stuff. Yeah. Like, you need to, you actually, you need to reload, go back, and f figure out which, like, 
the game often has you running into conversations and the conversation finishes and then triggers like a path yeah. for an enemy or a group of enemies to go on. And then it's it's trial and error in a bad way a lot of times where it's like your gunfire can set off the notification for another squad, but not always. And it's not clear where the, like the – you can't like pull up an overhead map and be like see, oh, here's the circle. And it's like if you're in that circle, then that won't alert anyone. It really just takes the trial and error of, all right – I can't kill these guys with stealth because my stealth and my stealth weapons are inherently less powerful. So I'm just gonna have to fire guns at them, see if that noti- notices them. If not, maybe the path can take them like three steps right. in another like direction a, like and a, then try yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Or the other thing is like they're gonna hear me. Can I set it up so that they're coming through a chokehold and I can kill this right. first group before the second group shows up or make their path to me longer? Um, eventually, you start getting abilities that can slow people down or like can clear the board a little more quickly. You know, it's a lot of like... Or there's some really fun... I ended up with a uh, a, a dual snipers, which broke the game sure. Um, sure. in the sure. in the last, uh, like, four or five hours or so. But those sniper sort of characters have this frog ability, yeah. which allows them to essentially leap the entire map. Um, and so that became really fun, where it's like you would funnel people into a choke point until they got too close, and my snipers don't do very good close damage, they do good long-range damage. So then I would just leapfrog them to the other side of the map into a new choke point. That's good. And then once three kills later, you get to use that ability again, and that, like, sort of became, like, I was using one heavy to sort of, like, just take a bunch of damage and drag enemies into the spot that I was going, and then I would just fucking pelt them with sniper bullets, and it uh, <sighs> it didn't go well for them. I think the... Part that where it gets really intriguing is when you get like the stealth stuff one third or two thirds correct. Yeah. Like when yeah. you've you you've done some cleanup because the cool part about this is before before you go loud, before you basically have entered tactical combat, where it bears a, a pretty a pretty strong resemblance to uh XCOM, though I think it's more overtly powers driven. Uh and, and it also has a good feeling of just your weapons being shittier. Yeah, your uh, weapons are shitty. There's no 90% chances to hit. It's like all quarter based. It's 25, 50, 75, 100. Um, and that, the that's fights a, all feel scrappy. They're really scrappy. And also, 100% hit chance is a cool thing to have in a game. Obviously, XCOM, mm-hmm. you can get it, but you being able to pull Borman up with a shotgun next to someone and be like, oh, this motherfucker's dead. I'm going to get the full damage on this. I might get the crit too, but like, I'm going to be able to put Borman out of cover and kill this solo person with this silent shotgun I have because I'm close enough. I'm going to get the hundred percent is a cool feeling. And that does separate a little bit from the XCOM model. But before you get into that combat, it stays in real time. Right. And I think it's closest analog is something like, uh, Shadow Tactics or the Commandos series Commandos, where, yeah, you're, yeah. where you're seeing uh, units sort of travel around with an awareness cone, an awareness ring around them showing like what, where they can see you. Another cool thing about it is as you edge closer to that ring, it begins to expand yeah, I a love little bit. Like as you're making noise, they like start to clock the fact that there's something just beyond their sight and begin like focusing in. And it's a really like... It is such a good moment when you're trying to get to a piece of cover where you can hide and basically go back to being invisible. Can you make it to that cover before that ring crosses your character yeah. and you've drawn aggro? Most of the time, the game seems sort of rigged to, like, you're going to make it to cover. Yeah. But 
you sure won't feel confident when you make it to cover. <laughs> and it's a really it's a really cool recurring moment. It is a cool thing where like before you start the shooting, the smart thing to do is basically scout the entire like enemy camp and see like Okay, where are the outer guards? Is there is there a big concentration of dudes somewhere around here that I need to know about? Sometimes there is. Sometimes there's like a barracks full of soldiers that is hiding on that map that like if you engage the scout, if you if you engage the scouts or the pickets or the guards and you don't do it cleanly, a platoon of soldiers coming kind of boiling out and just swamp yeah. you. And so it is kind of a cool thing this feeling of in a lot of these battles, uh, you're kind of disassembling uh, a, a defense before the before the fight even begins. And if you do it cleanly, that fight can be very easy. A lot of times, your sniper is going to take a seventy five percent chance shot. One of those isn't going to land, and then it's going to be on. And it's going to be a nastier fight than you wanted, but like still manageable. And I think Mutant Year Zero does a really good job of staying in that zone. And also like. Fucking fucking medbots. Medbots suck. Uh, I love the feeling of like, you know what? I'm using a grenade. You know what? I'm gonna use a med pack here. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna burn some resource. I love the idea of of the uh, the abilities being on kill cooldowns where it's not just a turn timer. It's like no, you have to bring people off the board to get this ability back. And that and that transfers from combat scenario to combat right. scenario. So it's not just like. There's, uh, there's an, I adjust the difficulty yes. so that my health refreshed in between combat. That was like a step too far for me because um, I think the it, nor, it starts you on hard and then you have to go to normal, which is fine. I can respect that. Um, but the hard mode is that your health only gets to 50%, yeah. I think, between hard. combat scenarios. And then normal, it all refills. But uh, even on normal, your your uh, the, the kills that you need to acquire for your extra abilities uh, reset. And like some of the really powerful late game, like there's a... Um, uh, you know, uh, a telepath who can control um, wow, enemies, which yes. is like, oh, there's like a really useful one where like you can take control of like the brute, like the tank, and then you just put him in the yeah. center, and then all the enemies start attacking him too. And like, then your AOEs really, can hit, and that's good. Yeah, some yeah. really fun, smart um, uh, stuff you can do. Um, How does the world say? Because like, uh, I, I, so I just got that character, Patrick, without talking about spoilers mm-hmm. of where I am. I yeah. got the psychic character. Does the world building st- stay strong? Does the story stuff remain kind of interesting? No, no. Nah, I, I think I think the it does a really good job setting up a world. I I don't know that it does a particularly good job of like where it, it's a bad cliffhanger. Uh, um, it's it's one of those like oh I'm psyched let's see what happens next and then like right um it's fine it's fine like there's enough it's a good there, game it's a really good game it's it it's a, it's a really good game yeah. that has enough going on the character stuff that I that what I was disappointed by was because I what I thought of the potential there and the groundwork they did lay yeah. um which I think are things they could improve upon you know on, on the second outing or DLC I'm not sure what exactly the the plans are for for the game but um no like the story is stuff sort of sort of eh, and the twist that happens is like it's not a twist if you can see it coming from like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. a thousand yards away um but it's fine like the world is cool the character stuff is sort of whatever, um, and and the combat is is engaging enough that uh, it sort of fell off once I broke it, at least with my trio. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed like the 15, 20 hours I spent with it. Nice. Um, what else is going on? You all play anything else over the over the break? Dip into anything else? Uh, I got death threats over mildly critique and oh, Red Dead Redemption boy. Two. Yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry man. about that. I. 
just got a little heated. Um, oh, he, a heated gaming moment from Rob Zach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, less racial, uh, but more right. defending defending uh, the, the Hauser's intent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think you, you, you profoundly missed the point. And uh, I don't know. I, I think you, you probably uh, deserve to be hogtied and run out of town on a rail. <laughs> What was the line? B- blood in the moonlight. Uh, crushed by some he- heavy mining equipment. Yeah. And then, like, like, I'd like to see your blood in the moonlight or something like My that. My blood in the moonlight? Fuck, man. Mo- moonlight is uh, one word, please. Please. If you're going to send uh, death threats to Patrick Klepek, please run that shit grammar through right. Grammarly, at least. Also, don't use don't use your real emails. People can look up things yeah. like that. Come on. Um... Um, yeah, I, so we'll talk about this on yeah, Friday. Yeah. We're actually going to do a separate pod on it. But, I, yeah, the, my piece in short was... Uh, I was over the holiday, went back to Red Dead. Um, I fell off it in basically after we did like our letter series that turned out to just be three letters letters, um, because all three of us kind of bounced off the game or didn't really feel compelled and or discovered that the game was like 70 hours long and went, there's a lot of other things I could do with my time. Um, And then I found myself with a couple of like true vacation days in over the break where my kid went to daycare because... I still have to pay for that, even if <laughs> she doesn't go. My wife had to work, and I thought I would actually love to have a day where I don't actually have to do yeah. anything as love as much as I love my daughter. And so I thought, hey, maybe this is a time where, like, maybe Red Dead is a game where where I have to where I, when I play it in forty five minute chunks, I'm just not getting enough time with it to get like into it. Um, so I decided to say uh, screw it to all the stories st- or all the open world stuff. Um, and just focus on the story and start mainlining that as as fast as I could. Um, and what I sort of discovered along the way was that it's shocking how much of the open world and the systems that are even in the core bits of gameplay just don't matter. Like weapon upgrading doesn't mean anything. Hunting doesn't mean anything. Fishing doesn't mean anything. Like there are things you can that, do. Well, you, but I was let's not get into it. Let's we'll get into it all. Yeah, Friday. yeah, yeah. Because like obviously yeah. the the funny thing for me is like I think it's a good article because you set your you set your your expectations and what you're looking for really clearly and right. are judging the game based on those things and leave yeah. space open for people like me to find meaning in those things but not gameplay meaning in the sense of like those things are reflected in the moment-to-moment combat or <clears throat> in the story or whatever, right? right. And we'll talk right. about right. it on Friday for sure. Yeah, see, so yeah, we're going to do a big uh, – uh, we'll do a Friday pod about sort of open world systems and, you know, how they push and pull you out of their world and what they should or shouldn't do. So, yeah, it seemed to touch a nerve. Heard a lot of people that uh, really liked it and then <laughs> some people who are into mining equipment. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, I I will use that opportunity, I think, maybe to talk about a little game I was playing over the break called Dragon's Dogma Darker Risen. <laughs> yeah. Fu- I, I finished okay. – I, mm-hmm. I played something else. I never played Darkerism. I, well, I, that's, none uh, of that I, stuff. It's all that stuff is post-game stuff. And here's the thing: I also right. haven't done that. That's a new whole mm-hmm. dungeon thing called the Bitter Black Isles that I've never done, and I would like to do it finally. So, and it's a big, it's expansion, a big expansion. Right? Like and there's stuff not, that got filtered yeah. into the main game. Also, there's like new equipment and magic weapons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I've seen some of that stuff. Um, uh, Mo and Dap over uh, like uh, community moderators have been streaming it on the Waypoint community channel, which is great. Um, and that got me hyped to like dip my toe back in like I watched them play it for a few hours and I was like shit I gotta I'm gonna go play that game again I had to save I do love magic arrows that yeah. automatically yes. target like missiles yes. I got to see Mo 
pick Magic Archer, level up to Magic Archer, and then go try those abilities. Like, yeah, that game's good as shit. Um, uh, 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 but that, th that game got me thinking again just about what I like about open world games. And also about Monster Hunter World, there's overlap on the teams between Dragon's Dogma and Monster Hunter World, and it shows, um, and, and everything else. Breath of like, creatively, isn't it a lot of yes. this team from yes. Dragon's Dogma yes. um, um, worked on that as opposed to the... The MMO that, that never got never translated. Got, yeah, exactly. So I think that there's there's a lot there's been there was a lot for me to go back to that and think about what worked for that in that game and then what worked for me in games that have come out since then like Metal Gear Solid Five and like uh, 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 the Breath of the Wild or even or even Red Dead. Um, thinking about open mm -hmm. worlds and, and the ways that they're parts right. Like it is a very clunky game in comparison to something like Breath of the Wild. It is more Red Dead than Breath of the Wild. Uh, in fact, it's even more like chunky and crunchy than than red dead is lots of oh the fast travel stuff <laughs> that yeah. too but even just like character building where do i put my yeah. points the pawn system there's all this stuff that's mm -hmm. super complicated um and it's and it's not and it's also kind of like trying to do a sort of dark western fantasy realism thing so even though it has some really standout characters and, and weird set pieces it's also not trying to be as magical as breath of the wild or something like that and if there was still a sense for me every time i go out even with the fast travel added that's the other big thing dark arisen added is like simple fast travel not yeah you don't have to buy an an expensive item in order to you what you <laughs> get is trouble. you get a thing that uh you get a an eternal fairy stone which you can use to okay, teleport sure. you to any port crystal what's still limited is the port crystals you find those as gotcha. you play and you can pick you can kind of pick up and place down um fast travel points in various places and so there's a way in which like you build a fast travel network in the world which is really That's fucking cool, cool because yeah. you want to doing things yeah. that are like Hey, this isn't a story. I, I I don't need to come here often, but when I do, it's a pain in the ass. I'm gonna drop a port crystal here, and that's it. Still retains some of that feeling of like I'm still gonna need to travel, but you end up going like, oh, that's close enough. I'll start from there. Um, it's earned without feeling like absolutely frustrating the way that like the original game setup exactly. was, where often you were doing runs that just. You weren't getting anything no. out of it. It's just the game gave you no options to. to speak I, I immediately along. hit a situation when playing last night or two nights ago, whenever that was, where I like had to get all the way from the the capital. First of all, I'm jumping into a save where I'm already at the capital city. I didn't have to replay okay. like the start. I'm like literally yes. at the point where the game opens up, which is a really great way to jump back into the game. Uh, but I had to get from there to like one of the the big castles that you had, like the fortress sieges things. And right. I got halfway there and I'm like out of healing items and I'm like, fuck, like I didn't prepare enough. I didn't bring enough. And I love that. And I, I managed to like find a like a rest camp along the way to get some more stuff. But that feeling felt so good. I like games that make me prepare. It, it kind of goes back to the Mutant Year Zero thing, right? It's like, am I prepped? Do I have what I need? Have I overspent because I made a few bad decisions in combat. I ran into a Chimera and had, had like, the first fight against one of the Chimera bosses in that game. Or, like, not bosses, but, like, tough fights that made me dig deeper mm -hmm. into my pool of items. And I was like, man, I fucking just love that game so much. I'm so glad I'm, I'm touching it again. It's a good way to, like, it's almost like a palate cleanser at the top of the year. Because it's helping me reset what my expectations are and what I really like. Going into a year that's about to have a lot of open world games again. Anthem is a month out. Metro is a month out. Uh, uh, Days Gone is a few months out. Uh, is that what it's called? Days Gone? Days? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yep. We're going to have a bunch of open world games this year again. And so it's been fun to, to dip back into something I know I love. Uh, my, oh, my pet theory hope is that I hope they continue to put more dragons. Like the arc of like a trilogy of Monster Hunter World games is they 
they nailed making like a you know an updated modernized yep. you know monster hunter and it's like well where do you go from there there's a lot of ways you can go from there but my my hope is they start slowly expanding the world like the scope of yeah. the world itself yeah. um where like that moniker of monster hunter world starts to take on like different connotations a larger connotations as that series goes i feel like that expansion later this year will give us like our first clue yeah. like what it, what does it mean for the future of this but like i'd love to see like like not they're probably never gonna go truly open world right because part of monster <laughs> hunter is constrained environments but there's probably some version where you're getting a little more um you know, like, what if we could travel as a group, right. like, across a big yeah. land to, like, head to an area that is contained instead of always just, uh, you know, flying on these yeah, birds yeah, yeah. that, like, take us to those yeah. spots, right? Like, there, I think, are really cool ways where we could get some more Dragon's Dogma into uh, Monster in Hunter World. Listen, I, my yeah. dream is for it to be the, like, the next game should be Dragon's Dogma 2 that, like, lets them continue to tinker with a with a big team but on something that isn't as high like risk as monster hunter world like i almost right. want the i almost want them to do the miyazaki go to work on bloodborne while someone else is working on monster hunter world 2 thing like yeah, but, yeah, but maybe yeah. that's on that uh, monster hunter world's so good i want them to continue to find success i can i have my my dragon's dog where the world can have monster hunter world it's fine i love monster <laughs> hunter world good, good game anyway uh, so that's, that's a big one. And the other one is I'll just do a very quick check-in for people who are desperate to know about my – so y'all probably didn't hear this, but we did a bonus episode when Natalie and I recorded for three and a half hours during our top ten. Uh, and mm-hmm. we cut the first 30 minutes of that off because it was mostly us talking about gotcha games. Uh, I have played Masters of Eternity, which is a, uh, a, a, a giant robot wife-collecting gotcha game. Robot Tactics, which is less about that. Uh, and more about building robots and goddess goddess's kiss also about anime wives and giant robots i've done my check-in i've played each of these games for probably five or six hours i've spent no money i spent no money and i'm not here to recommend Uh playing any of them time is money okay well i was on a bus and what else was i supposed to do you know um it is a weird thing to say this but i think the game that is like tactically interesting Masters of Eternity, uh, and and less fan servicey than Goddess's Kiss is still worse than Goddess's Kiss, which is which includes moments where characters' clothes are being destroyed. In I don't know why their clothes are being destroyed. They're in giant robots. How did the laser beams get in there? Goddess's Kiss is just like a good mobile game in that you're hitting ability buttons and you don't have to do too much and it's pretty straightforward. And I'm not gonna play any of them ever again. I got it out of my system. I still wish I had a good game to play when I wake up in the morning. Like, maybe I'll just start doing the crossword again, like an adult uh, uh, who lives in New York. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, I've read. And so I'll delete these mech gotcha games off my phone. They just announced Mech uh-huh. Warriors fight in uh, spandex underwear. See? I, yeah. Uh, because the mechs run so hot during combat that they just need their coolant vests to be running on bare skin. Wow. Um, now, some authors pushed this a little farther. Some left it to the imagination. But canonically, uh, they're, all, they're all in their undies uh, in Battletech. So what I'm saying, Austin, is there's a proud tradition. Okay, I see. Of, uh, of people in giant robots uh, just needing to. Yeah, they're being kind of a little, little uh, strip mecha. Uh, you know, element to great to the genre. Good. I put a lot more hours into BattleTech. Is the other thing is uh, between our last regular Waypoint Radio and now, I've played through, I'd say, 
15 hours of a career mode. Um, so good. I, it's so good. I'm like so all the way in love with it. I mean, Even the career mode is fun because you don't get the, the story missions. It yeah. changes the economy completely. It, it changes it completely. We talked about it on our on our end of year Battletech podcast. If you didn't, if you want to hear that and didn't, go back and listen to it. Uh, Rob and I both wrote loving you know, pains to it in our top 10 lists. Um, I, I did not think that would be my game of the year last year. I was so sure it would be Into the Breach. And then literally – like Nick Foles, Battletech drove down the field in the last quarter of the year with a great expansion and some clutch plays. Caught a tight end in the in the in the end zone. Love it. Um, but no, that is who's the Zach Ertz of Battletech? <laughs> uh, uh, who is the Zach Ertz of Battletech? Mm, I think it depends. I think it depends glitch. on what your builds are. It's glitch. It's it's whoever your glitch equivalent is is definitely it. Um, I love that game and like it was. It's been really fun to go back to that over the last couple of weeks. Also, I'm excited about games this year. Like we are close to some big stuff hitting, but we also have this little breathing room. I'm happy to have this little bit of a break. I'm happy to have a meeting this morning. We were like, well, that's really out this week. We can let's find some stories to hit. We did a lot of traffic already because people hate Patrick. And so we got a little wiggle room right now. Well, no, if that was a strategy, then we'd be one of the biggest sites on the internet by this point. Like, that if that, is, yeah. if that yeah. if, the, the problem with that one is it just doesn't scale. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. People give me way too much credit. Oh, you motherfuckers for clickbait, easy traffic. Man, Man if I could engineer that shit. We would shit, all be in a like, much different situation. By the way, we're going to try to do our farewell to Lobby One stream sometime this week because the someone else here advice needs this room in 2019, which I don't know that I can announce what that is yet. Uh, but, you know, we're going to be moving into a new podcasting location over the next couple of weeks. Uh, theoretically, is a location where we could... Now, from your experience of Waypoint as a site, this will change very little uh, <laughs> because Lobby One uh, was operational <laughs> roughly uh, 15% of the time. Uh-huh. Uh, but psychologically for us, it's a uh, Lobby One was a, was a huge deal uh, because every day it was, is Lobby One going to be up and running today? Is Action yes, Bronson, probably not. Is Action maybe. Bronson going to need to play music next door to it while he cooks? Not music in the show, mind you. Not, I need to play music because it's in the background on the show. But while I'm cooking things... We can't use this licensed music. It was just going to be so loud that we could not record next door to it. Maybe, for instance. Is all of our equipment just going to cycle randomly? Are we going to get knocked off the DMZ and uh, fall behind a firewall so we can't stream Smash? What's Is it really happen? hot in here? Is it, Is really it getting hotter? Hot? Is it getting Is hotter? It... Turn off all the lights. It's hotter now. How did it get hotter? We turned off all the lights. Our cameras don't work. Our audio goes through the camera. Not right now, but like everything. Ugh. Lobby one. Rest in peace. Uh, we're going to try to do a stream in here. Try to do like a – I want to check in on PUBG. We have to do at least one more uh, Breakfast and Battlegrounds in this room before we put it to rest. Um, we got to check in on some other stuff. Probably a Tactical Tuesday. or Not a Tuesday, so it won't be tomorrow. Uh, but sometime this week. We're going to try our best. I can't make a promise right now because we have to clean this room out also. Um, but but look forward to that. Um, anything else on the, on, the, on the docket that we want to hit before we wrap it up? I think we're probably good to go. I think we should we should call it an easy one today. We've all had long weeks. We've all had it's only Monday, but I've already you know between the Eagles and uh, everything else going on, I think it's worth it. Oh, it's all my bets were parlayed on the Bears too. So that's that all true just fandom went to right shit there. On that kick, yep. uh huh. <laughs> that's you that's... bet on the Bears. Hell yeah, I did. And a parlay. It was six points. You can't take six points. Oh, Rob, really quick, you told me you played detective. Tell me what you thought about detective before we wrap up. 
Uh, Detective Rules. I'll, I definitely want to talk more about it after I play more cases. But okay. that first case, like, uh, it is a very cool game. So it solves a couple major problems of Sherlock Holmes Consulting yes, Detective. It super which does. is that the rules of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, as written, are not a fun game. Yeah. So everyone basically plays it as a co-op mystery solving game. Yeah. But the other thing is, in the first cases, uh, because you're kind of graded on how many steps did you take to complete an investigation in Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, the first case or so teaches you that Sherlock makes like three or four moves and solves the case, making these massive intuitive leaps. Right. Uh, the cool thing that Detective does is from the beginning, they say you have this long to work on the case. You can push it. You can, you can push it and take extra steps at a penalty, but like here roughly is the outline of how much time and effort you should be putting into solving the questions of this case. And right away... That solves the issue of people playing uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective and trying to do a solve after like hearing one clue, yeah, like half a yeah, clue. Like, yeah. ah, well, I've intuited like the Encyclopedia Brown. Just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, completely nailed it from like one offhanded comment. Uh, Detective doesn't operate that way. Yeah. The other thing I really do enjoy is uh, I, had, I had an Oberdin moment uh, where like we were trying to figure out whether or not we needed to get an autopsy report off this one uh, murder victim. And everyone was feeling very strongly that they did indeed need an autopsy. Like, how do you die? Yeah. And I was like, wait, no, we got, we got a blood trail. And we got, we got blood trail through the, through the crime scene. And so I just started like tracing where you, the yeah. blood. Yeah. And I was like, wait, no, actually I don't think we need the autopsy because I think we know exactly what happened. I, and the autopsy is only going to confirm this and like nailed it. Uh, oh, yeah. But it was a cool, but it was a cool moment, like having that. No, I don't need to actually go to the coroner and hear like how this guy died because the clues are there in the description of because the because I've scene. entered my mind palace and I've put yes. it together because I'm Rob motherfucking Zachney, um, John Philip Sousa. No, not that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's the only other thing I'll say is there's a moment in the first case where something is revealed in the game, literally, physically, that is in fucking credible. Uh, people should play detective. It's so good. Uh, all right. On that note, we're going to wrap up. Uh, as always, if you have questions, you can send them in to gaming at vice.com. Uh, use the subject question. Uh, if you have questions about open world games, that would be actually a great thing to send us right now. Gaming at vice.com uh, questions and, and ask us questions about open world games. Go read Patrick's piece. Uh, don't send, don't send death threats. Don't send fake death threats. Don't think it's it's not funny. Like, it sucks. We have gallows humor about it because that's, like, the job we're in. Yes. Um, and mm -hmm. you got to get through the day, uh, and it sucks. But, like, you know, we appreciate the support. Send those questions in. Uh, as always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track. Miss you off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at uh, uh, waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, shout outs to the mods and the community. They are doing their, uh, uh, the community vote for game of the year stuff is happening right now. There's lots of, there's a big nominations process that just wrapped. You can go to, uh, discourse.zone waypoint form.waypoint.vice.com, uh, to vote. Just go to discourse.zone. It's the good one. Um, and, uh, and do some, some end of year voting uh, over on our, over on our game of the year stuff. Some really fun, good Oh, categories. we, uh, a be good and rewatch it is going to launch as yes. its own feed this week. The four episodes of The Purge will go in it, and we're also starting to – this week, time to that will be an announcement of what we're and doing next, which we you don't have know. Last so if people minute, have yeah, suggestions. Yeah, last minute suggestions. Send those in, gamingadvice.com. Um, uh, where can people find you, Patrick? Uh, at Patrick Hall. How about you, Rob? 
At Rob Zachney. You can find me at the Double Doink Master on Twitter. Uh, and you can find Kato at A underscore Kato underscore appears. Uh, you can follow Waypoint, Twitter.com slash Waypoint, Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. Uh, look forward to seeing you later in this week. Peace. Oh, he's not that bad. <laughs>